Previously on Deleted the 13th. Oh, man. I shouldn't have put The Godfather on. Stuart. Because now, now you just want to watch The Godfather. It's too remarkable just for a background. I've been waiting to do it because I assumed we would do it as part of this at some point. I'm definitely up for that. I'll be a bad Italian until then. That's okay. Hilarious. They modified the third movie and it's re-edited. But Francis Ford Coppola, like, helped with the re-editing. But the original isn't anywhere. Probably have to, like, buy the original. Yes. And that sucks. The original third was, like, super panned. You can't really compare it to one and two because it's one and two. But the first two are, like, A-plus movies. And the third one, I would say, is, like, a B-minus. It's, like, an 82. Like, it's good. There's, like, parts of it that are kind of satisfying. But there's, like, one plot point that I think people, like, severely hated and that that made them, like, hate the movie or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it was that bad, though. Well, do you want to transition from the classic cinema of The Godfathers to the classic cinema of Carrie? (laughs) This movie is wild as fuck, man. I wish this movie was directed by someone who likes women and thinks of them as people. is fucking nuts man (laughs) i think a lot about the fact that stephen king wrote a novel about a woman who was abused from all sides but discovered her true power and decided to make them pay and then brian de palma went okay but what if it was horny as fuck and like it is like zero percent horny like, I won't say 0% because nothing Stephen King's ever written is ever 0% horny. But it is. The, the degree of horny goes up exponentially. I mean, it, it's like a boner, like literally. like The opening <laughs> scene, I was like, I'm so happy I never had high school gym class. Also, these are all clearly like 26-year-old women. These are women that are older than me. <laughs> Um, I mean, you can't have, like, 17-year-olds in that scene, though. (laughs) Right, but, like, everything about it felt like Brian De Palma being like, see, see, they're they're seniors in high school. They're basically adults. See, see, it's okay. And, like, that, like, weird sheen on the whole movie was so sweaty and gross. Like I can, yes. there is not one movie like woman woman in that movie that doesn't come out looking like something, and, and I don't mean this in any sort of actual way. This is a metaphor that I feel like Brian De Palma didn't like think about one time while masturbating. Um, I think <laughs> like this movie's nuts, man. And like even the gym teacher who I think is the best of the adults, comes out looking like... 
she beats the shit out of her student. <laughs> yeah, but like she also tries to protect Carrie. Yeah. I don't know. The fact that nobody in the town sees her with empathy at all yeah. does not make the ending scary. If anything, I'm like, yes, queen, kill them all. They're all like literally do a serial murder with your brain. I love that for you. You know, the funny thing is I actually felt that as well until I saw like two or three black kids in there and I was like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> but no, I know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. I would love to see this movie from somebody who gave any of those women personality or internal lives because Carrie sure as fuck doesn't have one. Her mother doesn't have one. The gym teacher doesn't have one. The girl bullies don't have them. The boy bullies kind of do weirdly. Like, I really feel like we start to see the date, like realizing that Carrie might actually be okay and start to get like cold feet. I'm really torn on his character, though. Just that maybe is more than really we get for anyone else. That's true. And that might have just been by accident. <laughs> I think that maybe how you, if you interpret that he has like internal struggle, then yes, in some way, yes. No, I mean, that actor giving a performance that gives me any questions might have been an accident. <laughs> Man, what's, because uh, <laughs> this movie, it's like, you know, obviously we talked about showgirls and, that leaned into the ridiculousness and I loved it. Like this movie leans into the ridiculousness and it's. <laughs> I know that I said that Verhoeven hates women and I stand by that, but De Palma loves women in the wrong way. Oof. And I would rather have a man make a movie about something he hates and maybe doesn't fully understand instead of someone who wants to fuck it and also doesn't understand. The Palma is a bit tricky with women also. Like, in just his history of movies like Scarface, Mission Impossible, Untouchables, Blowout, Carlito's Way. There's not a lot of women in those movies that are worth kind of a damn, honestly. Yeah. And the more that I think about it, the more disturbed I am that this is a movie about teenagers. Because even, even the opening scene, the camera, like, crawls up their bodies. Every single one of them. Yeah. And that puts me in the uncomfortable position of staring at a naked high school girl. And we also never have an equivalent moment with that with the men. Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street 2 are kind of equal opportunity exploiters of teenagers. Isn't Nightmare on Elm Street 2 the... uh... It's so gay. I love it so much. We may have to watch there's, that before there's it goes off HBO Max. Two men like hugging and crying together on a leather duvet. Nice. And I was like, wow. But it's an equal opportunity exploiter of men and women, right? Like yeah. the, the girls are in the short shorts and Johnny Depp is in the crop top, and it still feels very teenagery. Yeah. You know? And this movie is just like, wow, teenage girls. (laughs) Like, I can practically feel it mouth breathing on me. The opening is like a beer commercial in the the 80s. The scariest part of the movie to me is how horny the camera is for children. 
Yes, absolutely. So when everybody jumps blood on Carrie and she goes, well, fuck all y'all anyway. I'm like, good for her. Because at this point, this movie has presented me with precisely zero likable characters. Like maybe 1% the boyfriend who actually seems to, or boyfriend, the boy who happens to be having a nice time at prom with her. I feel like he was selling her a jig, though. I, feel like I he was think all I lies. think he was until he started enjoying himself. Because there's a moment where the smile like actually starts, yeah. and right before they walk up onto the the stage, takes her hand and is like, "We can go." He has just one moment where he was like, "We should go." Actually, like we should go, and she's like, "No, like they like me. Don't you see? They finally like me." And like you made them like me, we should do this together. And like then the thing happens, and and the thing happens, and the thing happens. And damn, we um, didn't even watch him die. Like he, I mean, he totally died. But I mean, we see him fall in that we the weird split screen, homie. Oh my god! I thought it was okay. I think for the time it was received way better though. I thought it was okay. The, there are a couple of moments where there's three. Yeah, those are not okay. I cannot tell what's going on. <laughs> One of my favorite split screen moment was like the fire hose knocking. The, the dude was climbing up to go out the window. The fire hose hit him and he like totally ECW'd into a fucking table. <laughs> that shit was great. <laughs> but when it's the three, I cannot concentrate on what's going on. I had to wind back and watch those split screens a couple times each. And even still, the whole time I was sitting there with my glass iced coffee, like, good for her. And I feel like you're supposed to be a little conflicted at the end because you're supposed to be like, oh, kids are mean, but they're kids. But also they tortured this girl and she's finally fighting for what's hers. And I was like, all right, cool. And then she gets home and the mom is like, there's still time. Like, we can absolve you from sin. And I was like, get her, Carrie. And like, she does. And then I was like, wow. Oh, my God. Can we talk about the orgasm the mother had when she got killed? I don't know. You gotta watch it again. <laughs> so here, there's there. First of all, I'm not gonna make the comment I was about to make. Um, but first of all, like I think it's more about feeling like she's she's finally being absolved of her sins. She is becoming a martyr in that moment after Ooh, everything. Literally, no, she is, yeah. and she knows that. And it's much more about 
like take me Jesus than it is like take me take me. Um Ooh, like take me Jesus. Ugh. Right. And and but for her like that is the like the the biggest thing that she can achieve is what is happening to her in that moment. I did everything right. I'm saying it's more of a oh. metaphorical orgasm. Oh, I was going to say what joke were you going to make? If that's what you think an orgasm sounds like, how many people have you <laughs> made orgasm? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Craig, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one. The Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki, aka The Shredder. And we put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports, and entertainment news. Stay all the way and hear who Saki has named as his Cretan of the Week and find something valuable in the Shred Commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are cast. The Shredhead Pod is a member of the Hyphen Podcast Group. Okay, yeah, no, I was like, oh, fine. that's kind of, that's kind of oh, mean. Oh, so I didn't say hell. it. Oh, no, it's funny. As hell. Is that going to be the cold open now? It may like be. First... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm very confident about myself, but that was fucking funny. Oh, Thank man. you. I was, I was like, I was a little proud of it, but then I was like, ah, shit, that wasn't a very nice thing for me to say. That was not very cash money of me. Um, that was not very cash money, but no, nah, man, that shit was funny, man. That was funny, but no, nah, man, like in the movie, I just think her death scene was so nuts that you're right. Like she's enjoying her death. <laughs> she is because it's, it is saying to her in her twisted conviction, and it's no secret that Stephen King does not like religion, but as she is dying, she is getting confirmation that everything she did was right. And that to me is more upsetting than anything else in this movie that she dies believing that she was right because she doesn't see I failed my daughter. She sees the devil took her. I did everything I can. And dying like this means Jesus will welcome me home. Yeah, And that to me is like, I thought that was going to be the ending was Carrie realizing that she did what her mom wanted and that crumpling inward, not that realization maybe being the thing that that breaks her from the telepathy or if anything, breaks out all the windows of the house. Yeah. And I think that could have been a really strong ending, but yeah. instead they have to go for the the one hand and they're like, ah, ah! That was a shitty dismount. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> I do think it's really funny that both of these movies end with the women who did the most wrong being insane. Yeah. And I think that it's really interesting that in male dominated horror, the male bad guy usually ends the movie dead or dead in quotes. 
and uh, and the women are ending up in an insane asylum or at least vanquished if not dead michael myers ends halloween 2018 quote unquote uh, dead billy loomis and scream dead the male perpetrators i'm not really talking about the male side characters and i think it's a really interesting commentary on like female hysteria because they witness these unspeakable traumas the more that i am thinking about the craft the more it is rubbing me the wrong way that the thing that made nancy go evil mm-hmm. was the attempted rape of her friend yeah but anyway we'll get we'll get to that I would love to see even the same footage because I actually think the performances are pretty good in Carrie, like re-edited or recontextualized by someone who values women as people and entities. Because there are moments where I can see Sissy Spacek is trying to give this depth that the material is just not supporting. Yeah. And I see that with a lot of the characters in this. Also, this is a nitpick, but it's my nitpick. And I, I will complain about it. The blonde girl who we hate, you know, the one is blowing John Travolta and having a conversation with him at the same time. And her vocals are clearer than they've been in the entire movie up to that point. Yeah, that is a nitpick. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, that took me out of the movie so completely. And usually I don't care about stuff like that necessarily, but that was so blatantly wrong that I was like, can you at least add like a heavy breath or something? Because otherwise it's just implying that she's face down in his lap talking into a microphone, which is so dumb. She's talking into his mic. <laughs> that was also the moment where I went, is Brenda Palma ever received a blowjob before or does he think they're all just kind of these weird business calls it was so weird and it landed so weirdly we were messaging about this about the the thing about uh, Stephen King not liking the people in this movie and I was like I don't think Stephen King likes people like just flat out and I'm thinking even more about kind of the theory that she had like about Mm -hmm. all the men that have to die in these kind of movies and I'm thinking about Scream 2 and Scream 3 as well, where they they effectively have to get iced out in that kind of way, too. Mm-hmm. There's something really interesting to me about the idea that even horror movies where we literally watch women experience unspeakable trauma, it just seems like there are the normal women and then the women who can't handle it. The fact that women are just expected to be normal after unspeakable trauma, like nothing has happened. Or there's like those who don't make it who end up like strapped down to these chairs because they like dared to try to rise above their station in some sort of way. Sometimes it's super actually misguided, but we'll, we'll circle back to the craft because sometimes it isn't. That's like disturbing as hell. Even the way that like superhero movies treat some characters versus other characters do this. Black Widow is expected to act like everything's normal and nothing happened. And she does that. And that's great. And Wanda actually has an emotional response and people think she's nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Like the idea that there are just the women who can handle their trauma and the women who can't. And that's the spectrum. Pretty gross. It is really gross. And I'm noticing it in more and more places. Yeah. That type of nuance storytelling, particularly from these like the vision of men, uh, directors and screenwriters. It's very not there for the most part. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> for Carrie though before we pivot <laughs> I know it's like a cultural 
horror icon kind of type movie or whatever mm-hmm. but <laughs> for me this is like a two-star movie man, with the with the gnarly kill scene at the end but do you like are there things in this movie other than i guess maybe and that's what it is like the final kill scene is, is so rad that people are like oh yeah this is a classic but i can you see why people would say this is a classic in the context of the time absolutely yeah i think this is a movie where where the idea like what if the victim had powers and she was coming for your ass i don't want to say this is where like a trope was solidified but like this is where they they put that down as an option i think it was part of the origin yeah no i i think it is part i i agree that it is part of the origin but i feel like this is where it got like solidified as like okay what are our what are our options for women they can be victims, they can be perpetrators, or they can be fed up with your shit and now they're coming for you. Yeah. And I think that that is important. I think there are a lot of movies that probably could not have existed without this movie. I do not think examining it without that context is particularly valuable, especially because honestly, and this is going to sound terrible, but the movie that this reminded me of the most was Harmony Korean's Spring Breakers. Where it seems like the camera, it it claims it's like a feminist movie, but the camera movements say otherwise. And the way that it's so clear, the directors and the people behind the cameras and even the script supervisors see women directly undermine the story they're trying to tell. And so maybe it was a, a big first step and it's great that we have it now. But if we are going for the women are fed up with your shit and now they're coming for you movies. I would love to show some kids ready or not instead of this. Well, yeah, the ending, the dismount to ready or not, it's pretty gnarly in, in a good way. And Spring Breakers, that movie. <laughs> Spring Breakers is a fucking ride of a fucking right, movie. But do you get what I mean when I, I say like, I feel like the cameras move in a very similar way. Like, I feel yeah. like the cameras in Spring Breakers and Carrie are leering at their subjects. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Yes, absolutely. And you can tell me it's fantasy all you want, but like, no, it is not when you're doing that. Was there any part of the movie that at least one kind of smidgen of the movie that you found enjoyable in some way? Yeah, I think the, the rampages at the end. I think are really strong. I think the way that all of the lights in the prom slowly change to red. Yeah. As she's working her way through sections of the crowd. It's very clever. I think that there are some subtle storytelling moments, especially at the end, that lead me to believe that somebody paid attention and cared. (laughs) I just wish that it was someone who had, like I said, any empathy or understanding of, of those characters' internal lives at all. Even if they had to make them up, you know, even if they were like, well, this wasn't in the text, but. That random bit about the uh, the ruffle tuxedo shit. <laughs> so random, but. I, I <laughs> It was, yeah, it was well acted, though, I guess. Like, yeah, I, I, it was it was kind of funny. It was like. It was an it was in a definite different movie. I can tell you that, mm-hmm. but it was it was okay. 
I also feel like a lot of influence, like I could see a lot of specific moments that Scream was like, oh, I can parody this. Hell yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour, and it's available everywhere, podcasts or streams. So everybody, check them out. You know the Godfather will, and it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. Smell your latest sweaty marks. I drink up my sisters, and I ask for the ability to not hate those who hate me, especially racist pieces of bleach blonde shit like Laura Lizzie. <laughs> right up. I drink of my sisters, and I ask to love myself more and to allow myself to be loved more by others, especially Chris Hooker. I know it's pathetic. It's definitely pathetic. <laughs> I drink of my sisters, and I take into myself the power to be beautiful, outside as well as in. I drink of my sisters, and I take into myself all the power of my own. That's all? <laughs> Blessed be. Blessed, Blessed be. be. Blessed be. <laughs> Let's pivot to the 1996 The Craft. For full disclosure, this is a movie that I definitely grew up on. And in my mind's eye, I remember watching this on cable a lot. Mm-hmm. and really kind of fucking with it really liking it and my recent experience in watching it just now i haven't watched the craft in probably i don't know maybe like five or so years maybe even longer and my experience now with it is actually kind of a bit different like i i held this movie in kind of a high regard my ocdness forced me to make my favorite hundred movies ever and that actually made the list and mm-hmm. kind of watching it now, sad to say, it kind of fell off. But what was your kind of initial? I know you just finished the movie, but uh, I know there's some things about the movie that you definitely found questionable. For me, like, I think my favorite part is just the physical acting that Nancy character does. <laughs> You're a witch. <laughs> they were right. They usually are. Nancy, come on, get off the bed, let's go. She's a witch too, you know. I mean, the only reason you're in love with her is because she cast a spell on you. No. Yes, sad but true. That's why I'm here, to help you forget about her. What do you care? Nancy, get off the bed. Look, you scared the shit out of him. Thank you very much, let's go. No, he's gotta pay. You're just jealous. Jealous? Jealous? 
You don't even exist to me. You don't even exist. You are nothing. You are shit. You don't exist. The only way you know how to treat women is by treating them like whores when you're the whore. And that's gonna stop. Do you understand? You understand what I'm saying? I'm sorry. <laughs> he's sorry. Oh, he's sorry. He's sorry. He's sorry. He's sorry. He's sorry. He's sorry. Sorry, Maya. We kind of extrapolated and kind of examined it a bit more, like even the kind of the idea that you talked about, like the rape being the thing that like sets her over the edge. Like, I think there are some things that are kind of problematic with her in the movie overall, but I think like her, like the actress, like giving her all in the character and her character kind of starting at like an eight and then Mm -hmm. ending up at like a 15. I bought into that. I always had like a visceral reaction to that. And watching it today, like I kind of got that same reaction, but overall the movie is kind of, I'm not going to lie. Like, I can see why critics at the time thought it was kind of a, a letdown. Like, my man Raj, like, he he hated this movie, actually, when you first watched it. But what are your kind of thoughts on the craft? So I noticed that it, like, was getting this cult following a couple years back. Yeah. And I was like, interesting. And and so I watched it for the first time earlier today. And I almost get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think on a baseline, I just think that you've got four bad bitches. They're mm-hmm. outsiders, they're outcasts, and a lot of a lot of young girls can kind of identify with that. Like this they're is sexy. Sound so weird. Have you ever seen the movie Saved? Oh, Saved is Saved is actually kind of underrated. I haven't watched that in Say, forever. Yeah, but I remember we we got to watch it in Sunday school one time. Uh, Sunday school? Well, in like high school. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because like we're Episcopalian and, and you know, we like thinking that we're better than those mega church people because we are, but like hilarious. I I'm agnostic. Those of you listening at home, but it reminded me of saved if saved instead of like actually having heart was just like, and they were witches. <laughs> it definitely they're, not they're as like, funny in a Catholic school. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is going to be some commentary on like religion forcing these women into these boxes and then break it. Nope. Oh, this is going to be some commentary on like the pressures that young women face and them Uh, using witchcraft to break out of that. Nope. uh, Like, not that. (laughs) There were so many opportunities for this movie to say something. And every time it went "Eh," and did not. And even kind of talking about that, like I first watched this movie when I was like 10, 11 years old. And it's one of those things to where kind of growing up with it on that sort of surface level of like, yeah, we see the black girl like against like the kind of racist, like rich people Mm -hmm. in school. We see like the outsider Nancy with her like different ass clothes and like she's quote unquote weird, but she's like trying to like move beyond that. Like, okay, like there's some like, you know real sort of baseline things there mm-hmm. like you're right like i do think that they have like the, they had the tools in the baseline to kind of go a bit deeper but 
they really don't <laughs> like watching it today it was kind of apparent that like they don't kind of extrapolate that at all even the storyline of the racist white girl who lost her hair because she was you know racist or whatever there's no even resolution to that story like you didn't even see her apologize mm-hmm. and it's just like we just kind of forget about it it was they left a lot of money on the table i can definitely say that not only did they like leave money on the table but really it seems like when this st- movie ends it's like man women should know their place am i right <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you're wrong <laughs> and no yeah man and actually that's one of the reasons i suggested this pairing because like i said like I was kind of holding a memory of fondness of this movie and I had like just this memory of these girls overcoming and then Mm kind of like being strong. But that's like the midpoint of the movie. That's the conflict. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like the women being strong is the central conflict of the movie. And in no world was this considered a horror movie to me. And this was listed as a horror comedy. Oh, shit. And I was like, ah. <laughs> this is not a horror and horror comedy, sir. Yeah. Jesus um, Christ. I enjoy witch stories. I always have. I've read several good books about, about witches. And the one that this evokes to me the most is We Ride Upon Sticks by Quanberry, which is a book and it's spectacular. And I highly recommend it. And it takes place in Danvers, Massachusetts, which is actually where the Salem witch trials took place, not in Salem. And it's about these girls who sign a team pledge in an Emilio Estevez notebook in the 80s and accidentally start a coven. And their coven feels more real and more grounded and more feminist and more supportive that they started by accident in high school than this movie does. Yeah. If anything, this movie to me feels like it's trying to tell you to maybe chill out with that Wiccan shit, kids, which is like kind of bullshit. Yeah, it kind of um, is. Nancy is is dancing around the skirts of evil before then. But the moment that she becomes evil is when she starts fucking with the guy who tried to rape her friend. Yeah, That is when she becomes unforgivable, according to the movie. And I never thought that I would say that Clueless was more feminist than anything. Oh, come on. <laughs> But to me, Clueless felt like it was women going to bat for women. Yeah. More than this movie is. Yeah. And the idea that even at the end, like she does it by herself. She goes to that woman in the in the bookstore for help, but then basically says, screw you and screws off. And like if it had been them coming together and her realizing, wow, like magic is really in the eye of the beholder. Thank you for teaching me this. If we had a moment of genuine female connection, I honestly think that probably would have served the movie so much better. Yeah. One of the best things about this podcast is not only it's, you know, obviously making me kind of think about movies in a different way, but I'm actually looking at more of the production aspect of these films. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I did not know this before, but I can definitely tell now this movie is written by two white men and directed by a white man. So. Yeah. So, yeah. And Nancy was great. 
I thought her two sister witches were also really good. I really enjoyed seeing Neve Campbell in in a non Sydney Prescott role. Oh my god! <laughs> Would you walk okay. in the classroom like? But oh, here's man. here's the other thing, right? Like they called Nancy a slut a couple times early on in the movie, and then that word goes away for a while. And I was like, "Ooh, what an interesting touch, right? That the men." Are only call the women who are different sluts. Cool. Nice. Way to go, movie. And then Bonnie says a guy has a nice ass. And everyone's like, oh my God, you slut. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> She's immediately like, there, judged for that. <laughs> there is a way to call out, like, oh, all right, man eater, without being shamey. Yeah. Even within the coven, they're tearing each other apart all the time. They're not yeah. sisters. It isn't a sisterhood. What's going on with this? I'm, I'm completely humiliating Chris when all I wanted was for him to like me. And Bonnie, what's going on with you? You used to be nice. Now you're completely narcissistic. Excuse me, but I spent a big chunk of my life being a monster. And now that I'm not, I'm having a good time. I'm sorry that bothers you. <laughs> it's like what Lyria was talking about, throwing things out of balance. I know you guys think we're getting what we want now, but it's going to come back to us threefold. Ooh. <laughs> Are we actually having a theological conversation here? I mean, it's fun. It's scary. I mean, who gives a shit? Oh, Nancy, we do. What do you guys think? They don't think. Bitch. <laughs> and stop trying to win them over because it won't work. I'm not trying to win them over. You're paranoid. I'm paranoid? Paranoid. I am not paranoid. Paranoid. <laughs> Do you guys shut up? <laughs> Do you want in? Or do you want to leave the circle? Because just tell me right now. Why does it always have to be that way with you, Nancy? Because that's the way it is. And like that at was... the end, when they come back and are like, hey, like, are, are you okay? It's not about checking in if she's okay. It's about figuring out if she still has power. And like, this poor girl. Her self-esteem must be so low for her to believe that these women care about her at all. And the first thing that she wished for was to love herself more. Yeah. And she doesn't do it. Her wish yeah. is the one that comes the least or like intention that she set is the one that comes the least true because everybody else got 100% of what she they asked for. And she only got 50, which is really kind of upsetting when you think about it man imagine pulling a knife on your <laughs> like go there and uh, fucking slit your throat or whatever at the end like us some wild ass choices in this movie man that was one of the things that was apparent more in this rewatching of it now like you would think that this band of outcasts would have more loyalty to each other because their environment doesn't really fuck with any of them but in mm -hmm. the end, like it, it like crumbles so fast that there was nothing really there to begin with. So, and in itself, like that, that is pretty fucking sad. It wasn't a horror movie. It wasn't a high school movie. It wasn't in a similar vein to Carrie. It was a movie about how mean girls are. Am I right, fellas? And cattiness especially in young women exists right that's a real thing i'm not saying we shouldn't make movies about it but don't try to pass it off as as something other than that if that's what it is right 
Yeah. I had some issues with Clueless, but Clueless was about a girl who is catty and bitchy and learned. The craft is about a coven of women who protect each other, except no, they don't. And they're not even really a coven and they don't even really like each other. We see so few scenes of them getting along without magic. We don't get scenes of them hanging out. We don't get scenes of them having heart to hearts. The magic is their bond. Right. And that's it. And it doesn't land for me. And it is pretty gross that it's only used for pretty selfish sort of reasons. Right. So here's what I like, right? I like that Nancy's first like thing is like, I want power. I need to protect my mom. Yeah. Because that's kind of what it is, right? And then after she's able to protect her mom and it actually works out not just better than she hoped, but like so much better, like leaps and bounds better. Like she and her mom can have a life without this shitty man who was hurting her. Imagine if that then turned into, oh, it's because I'm fucking like, I'm a God. I can do whatever I want and not. I don't even know. Like she kind of goes dormant for a while because she's like, I got money now, bitches. And then like. If she was just upset, I wish they had made it so she was just upset about what had happened to Sarah and not that she and Skeet Ulrich had any history. Because as soon as you add that element in, what she's doing is not misguided kindness anymore. Like, imagine if this whole movie was misguided kindness versus, like, Sarah's very pure-hearted, like, kindness And then at the end, she has to look at what she's done. And there's like a trail of bodies behind her. Right. And that's the thing that makes her go, oh, God, oh, shit. That's the thing that makes Manon start dropping the bugs on her. But that's not what they do. She starts the movie a bitch and she ends the movie a bitch. (laughs) The only heroic thing she does in the movie is kill her stepfather. (laughs) Yes. Which is is like, You could make it such a more interesting narrative, but you know, alt goth girls aren't anything but but whores and and murderers. So <laughs> they all, the coven must the coven must die. That's basically the, <laughs> the all covens must die. That's the theme of the movie. That's the lesson. Yeah, I would say this is definitely one of those that kind of aged like milk. Unfortunately for the kid, it is. It is really unfortunate. Hey, everybody out there listening. I'm sure we must have at least one straight white man who listens. People who are different than you having power shouldn't be scary. If anything, it should make your life easier because you don't have to worry about it all. But if you continue taking it from people who are different than you, when they finally get their chance at the plate, their bat is coming for your ass. Women having power shouldn't be the central fucking plot of a horror movie, but it has been since goddamn 1692. And here the fuck we are still telling half-baked witch stories about what if women had power. Fuck. Get over it. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. 
Follow Marcus at Showin Mad Love on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow our Twitter page at Cat and Mark and read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? All right, girlfriend, I want to head out so I can edit this fucking podcast, man. Thank Hopefully you for editing this tomorrow. fucking podcast. Hopefully I can get it up for tomorrow. Well, not this I one. I believe in you. Uh, it's going to be the Carrie and uh, Craft episode, so yeah. wish me I'm, luck. I hope that one is as good as I remember it being when we made it. Um, I haven't gone through most of the craft part yet. Uh, the carry shit was it was interesting I think that it's I think Carrie's is such a weird movie because I feel like it's way more mythologized as being this classic when in actuality it's a shitty movie with one classic horror scene yes and so hopefully people grab that that's I think we I think we kind of hit the nail on the head with that one um Craft was a fucking bummer. I'm I'm sad the craft aged badly for me, man. It was fucking I, fucking childhood over there. It almost in, is inspiring me to write a take on it. I think you should. Why not?